Church, you may open up your Bibles to John chapter 10. And this morning we'll begin verse 11, John chapter 10, 11 through 18. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we just are so thankful uh, for this beautiful day, uh, that there's no hurricane, um, that we get sun and beautiful weather. And Father, we thank you that we can gather freely this morning and worship you with the saints. And God, as we open up your word, as we look at who you are, uh, may you just reveal yourself to us. May your spirit be amongst us and teach us who Jesus is. May Jesus be exalted this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Aloha, church. How's everybody doing? Everybody doing all right? Um, this is probably our last time in the field, and I say probably because uh, this week was probably not going to be in the field, but we're here. Um, and so we are in a sermon series on the seven I Am statements of Jesus that are found in the gospel according to John. And through these statements, Jesus declares who he is as God. Uh, because God doesn't leave us guessing about himself, but he has clearly revealed himself to us. And so here in chapter 10, we have two metaphors like we heard last week. Uh, the first metaphor that Jesus uses is uh, one of sheep and shepherds. Uh, and through this metaphor, he reveals something about us and about himself. And right in the middle of this metaphor, we have a second one where Jesus says, I am the door. So last week we heard uh, about this exclusivity of that statement, um, that it's an absolute truth. Only through Jesus may we enter into the sheepfold and become part of God's flock. And so as Jesus uses this language of shepherding and sheep, uh, shepherding was a very common occupation in that time. Uh, the language of shepherds and sheep was really familiar to the people that Jesus is talking to. It's like us talk, talking about football or cars or surfing. It was common language to them. And in the West, uh, Western way of shepherding is very different from 
how it was or how it is in the East, especially during Jesus' times. In the West today, we have a couple of guys on horseback uh, with a bunch of dogs, and they drive thousands and thousands of sheep from field to field. That's how it's done. It's pretty amazing. You can go home and watch it on YouTube. Um, and in the East, they had small flocks of sheep, and they were led by a shepherd. The shepherd didn't drive them from behind, but he led them from the front. Uh, the sheep knew the shepherd's voice. They, there was a relationship uh, between them, and so they followed him. And when we think of sheep, sheep are not really awe-inspiring animals. Uh, there's, there's nothing amazing or special about sheep. They're just sheep. Um, you can't train them to sit or come or stay. Uh, they don't have nine lives like our cats do. Um, sheep are not that, all that stupid, but left on their own, they get lost. They wander. They get into danger. Uh, they cannot defend themselves against predators, against their enemies. They can't find their way back home when they get lost. Uh, sheep are helpless animals, and so they need a leader. They need a shepherd. And so some might ask this morning, why uh, would Jesus compare us to sheep? I don't want to be a sheep. I want to be a dog or a cat, or I don't want to be compared to an animal at all. Uh, but I think this metaphor just works. It's a perfect metaphor. It's a very accurate description of who we are as humans. Left on our own, we do wonder. We are hopeless. Our desires, our thoughts, our feelings and emotions, they deceive us. Uh, we get lost and we are not even aware of the fact that we are so easily susceptible to be lost and wonder. We sing a song, um, and the lyrics are, let, that, let thy goodness like a fetter. Fetter is a chain or a shackle. Bind my wandering heart to thee. Why? And the next line says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God, the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Christians have been acknowledging this since the beginning, that we are prone to wonder. We need a shepherd. And so in verse 11, Jesus says, I am a good shepherd. That's how he begins. And good, how do we, how do we define what is good? How do we define good? What qualifies something to be good? When we think of a car, for some, a good car is a fast car. For others, it's a luxurious car. Uh, but a good car is a reliable car. A good car doesn't break down on us. It takes us from point A to point B without any issues. When we think of a good meal, uh, a good meal is one that gives you nutrition. It has to taste good. And it must satisfy your hunger. That's a good meal. When we think of tools, a dull saw or a knife is not a good tool, unless it's sharpened. And so a good tool does the job that it was intended to do. 
So some things are defined as good because they do exactly what they are meant to do. How about a person? What makes a person good? We would automatically begin to think in moral terms. We would say a good person is a moral person. Ultimately, only God is good, but a good friend or a good neighbor, someone who doesn't kill, steal, or cheat, uh, who helps out when you need a hand, that's who we would call a good person. So in verse 11, Jesus says that he is a good shepherd, but how or why is he good? Is he good because he's moral? Is he good because he sets a good example for us to follow? And the Greek word for good here is kalos. And kalos does not mean moral good, even though Jesus is morally good. Kalos means excellent. It means suitable. The word suggests nobility and worth. Someone who is perfectly fit for the job. They are complete. There's no deficiencies. There's nothing that can compromise them. A lot of times when we think of Jesus, especially like in terms of a good shepherd, uh, we have this picture in our head of uh, this buff Jesus uh, can't, cuddling with a little lamb, either around his neck or in his arms, um, and there maybe in a lush green pasture by a lake. Um, it's very cute and romantic, um, and that might be the end of what we think of Jesus as being a good shepherd. But that's not the good that Jesus is talking about here. Shepherding wasn't cute or romantic. It was hard, tiring work. It was dangerous work. There were predators like lions and bears and wolves. And when you're leading a herd of food, you're a target. They led the sheep through rough terrain to find good pasture. It was dangerous. You guys know uh, the hook at the end of the staff? It's not just in pictures. It was actually real. Um, it's for when a, when a sheep uh, falls off a cliff, the shepherd could reach down and pull it out with that hook. I've read an article this week. Um, someone got tired of people calling sheep stupid, and so they wrote this article, and they said, uh, Stop stereotyping sheep. They are smart animals. Uh, they say that they can remember 50 faces for up to two years. Okay, and I don't disagree. We don't disagree that sheep are smart. But sheep get lost. Sheep wander. Sheep follow each other off the cliff. There's a BBC article. Um, I don't know if it's true. probably is. Um, somewhere in Turkey... 1,500 sheep, 1,500, followed each other off a 45-foot cliff. You can laugh or cry, but here's the shocking part. 1,100 of them survived because the first 400 provided a cushion. There's some fluffy sheep. Don't stereotype sheep, they say. So Jesus says, I am a good shepherd. I am a complete shepherd. I am an excellent shepherd. And so in our text, 
Jesus gives us two reasons why he is the good shepherd. He's not good because he cuddles with sheep. He's not good even because he uh, sets a good example for us to follow. There are many. We can come up with hundreds. There are thousands of reasons why Jesus is a good shepherd. But Jesus gives us two ultimate reasons. And if these two reasons were not true, then the rest would not matter. These two reasons matter the most. So the first reason why Jesus is the good shepherd is because he lays down his life for his sheep. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So some shepherds, they owned their sheep and they shepherded their own sheep. Uh, and other shepherds were just hired to take care of someone else's sheep, someone else's flock. Uh, most of us has pro have probably rented a car at some point in our lives. Uh, and most people drive the rental differently than they would drive their own car. That's why there's this famous phrase, drive it like a rental. We don't care about the car. It's not ours. Um, most people who live in Hawaii, we rent our homes. And the statistics are that homeowners typically take better care of their houses than renters do for obvious reasons. And when something happens to the house that you're renting, maybe a leaking roof or a sink or a toilet, what do you do? You call the owner. If your house burns down, you just move on to the next and the owner takes care of it. There are things in your house that you would probably like to change. Maybe you don't like the kitchen or the floor. Maybe you just would like to install a new bathtub or whatever it is, but you are not going to drop that money because it's not your house. It wouldn't make sense. The owner is the one that would do that if he wants to. And so it was with shepherding. It was a dangerous job. So when a pack of wolves attacked the flock, if you are a hired shepherd, you would do the bare minimum to try to scare them off, and then you would run to save your own life. You would protect, and you would save yourself and not the sheep. And the owners, the owners would understand. The hired shepherd is not a bad shepherd. It's just no one expects you to risk your life for someone else's sheep. Just like no one expects you to put a new roof or a kitchen on a house that you rent. That would be absurd. And so Jesus says, I'm not like the hired shepherds. I don't flee from danger. I lay down my life for my sheep. That's the first reason that Jesus is a good shepherd. And we'll get back to that in a bit. The second reason that Jesus is a good shepherd is found in verse 14 and 15. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. 
I know my own, and my, my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, <clears throat> I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus says, I know my own. There are four words in Greek that uh, describe the word know. And the word for know that Jesus uses here is gnosko in Greek. Most of you probably heard that word before. And the meaning of that word is not uh, knowledge of some information or facts about something or someone. But it's a loving, affectional, it's a personal, it's a relational knowledge. It's an intimate knowledge. You can say that, I know the president, or I know my wife. You may know facts and statistics about the president, but you know your wife, or your husband, or your good friend personally and relationally. At least that's the hope. You, you gnosko your spouse. Adam and Eve, uh, Adam knew his wife Eve, and we read that she conceived and bore Cain. Gnosko is not a sexual knowledge necessarily, but the intimacy uh, in this knowledge between Adam and Eve led to that result, and Cain was born. And so Jesus says, I gnosko my own. I know them intimately. I know them relationally. I know them personally. And then in verse uh, 15, Jesus compares the way he knows us to the way he knows his Father. The intimacy between Jesus and his sheep is mirrored on the intimacy that Jesus has with his Father. And this is a really important, important point. Uh, God is eternal. God is one God who eternally exists in three persons as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So God has been in perfect communion and love from eternity past into eternity future. And so the ultimate gnosko, the greatest affection, the greatest relationship is found within the Trinity. And now Jesus says, the way I know my Father, the way I love my Father from eternity past, that's how I know my own. That is how I love my own. His sheep are the object of that kind of love and that kind of intimacy. And that's huge. No matter how great our relationships are here with our spouses, uh, no matter how well you know them, you'll still fight with them, maybe, probably, hopefully not. Um, at least you'll have arguments, maybe disagree with them on some points. That's because we all have sin. We all have our quirks that just come up. If you have a close friends or family, you know how sin gets in the way of gnosko in our relationships. We need to ask forgiveness from one another at times. Jesus knows you better than your closest friends know you. Jesus knows us better than our spouses. Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. Our lives are a completely open book before him. Nothing is hidden from Jesus. If the person sitting next to you knew you the way Jesus knows you, they would probably not sit next to you right now. 
Jesus knows your thoughts. He knows your desires. He knows your emotions. He sees all the good and all the bad. He knows you personally and intimately, and yet he still loves you. Despite all of our sin and our brokenness in our lives, knowing us, he lays down his life for us. And it's not because we're good and we deserve it. It's not because he just kind of overlooked something and was like, hey, that's a great gal, guy. They did some good. I'll, I'll, I'll love them. No. Jesus sees everything. And he still chooses to lay his down, lay down his life for us. And love us. And know us intimately and personally with the same love that he has with his Father. And this intimacy is not a one-way street. Jesus says that my own know me, that, my, that I know my own and my own know me. Not only just does Jesus gnosko us, but he revealed himself to his sheep in, the, in a way that we are able to intimately and personally know Jesus as well, church. The true sheep of Jesus, they know his voice and they follow him. Verse 16, And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. So all this Jesus is saying uh, as he's having a conversation with the Jews, with Israel. Uh, figuratively, he entered into the sheepfold of Israel, and he's calling out his sheep out of the fold. And those who are his sheep, they follow him. But here's a beautiful promise in verse 16 that is soon to be fulfilled, which has already been fulfilled. Israel, the Jews, are not the only sheepfold. Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Jesus has sheep out of every tongue, every tribe, and every nation. He has sheep that listen to his voice all over the world. Somehow, uh, some Christians believe that Jesus has multiple flocks, specifically that Jesus has two flocks, Israel and the rest of the Christians. Jesus says, there will be one flock, one shepherd. So that means all God's people scattered across the world we are all one flock of Jesus. Other churches in town who are preaching and proclaiming the word of God, they are part of one flock. Churches in Europe, in Africa, in Asia, our brothers and sisters, we are all part of one flock. And Jesus is our shepherd. Verse 17, for this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, and I may, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Oftentimes when we look at the death of Jesus, uh, we can look at it as a tragedy, as something horrible that's happened. But that's not the case. That's not, that's not what happened. Jesus is not a victim. 
His death was not an accident. His death is not a result of some unfortunate faith. Well, he was just shepherding, protecting his flock, and the wolves attacked the flock, and he laid down his life for them. How sad and unfortunate, but man, what a great example. He saved his sheep. Jesus, as a shepherd, does not merely risk his life, but he lays it down, and he lays it down on his own accord. He lays it down on his own terms. His death is not an accident. Many times the religious, the Pharisees, try to stone him or kill him, and Jesus would escape without a scratch. It's because his time has not come. Jesus is God. He has the power to lay down his life whenever he wanted to. But, I'm not, but not only does he have the authority to lay down his life, but Jesus has the authority to take it up again. If Jesus had power to lay his life down, but not the power to take it up again, he would not be a good shepherd. What good would it be if a shepherd is dead and the sheep are scattered and in danger? But Jesus has power over death. Again, he's fit for the job. Jesus is the worthy shepherd. He's the excellent and noble shepherd. Shepherd. Sheep are a perfect example of who we are, like I said. This metaphor that Jesus uses is spot on. It's perfect. If you like it or not, we're all like sheep. More than we even realize. Isaiah 53, 6, the prophet says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We all have turned, everyone, to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The quickest way to go astray, the quickest way to be lost, is to go your own way. And that's what we have all done. We think we are, uh, we think we know what's best for us. That's what our culture encourages all of us to do. The culture tells us, be you. Follow your heart. Follow your desires and wants. Be who you feel you want to be. That's the message of our culture. That ends up with all sorts of celebrated crazy. But left on our own, that's who we are. And by going our own way, we are in grave danger. We have sinned against a holy God and we are lost in our sin and we think we have it all together. We think our way is best. We are like the 1,500 sheep jumping off that cliff one after another. But guess what? There's no cushion on the bottom. There's no fluffy sheep. Hell cannot be quenched. It's utter destruction. Without a shepherd, we are done. The world needs a good shepherd. 
We need Jesus. And Jesus lays down his life to save us from this utter destruction that we are headed to. D.A. Carson, in his commentary on John, writes, The sheep are in mortal danger. In their defense, the shepherd loses his life, that by his death they are saved. And that alone makes him the great shepherd. End quote. Again, he's not good because he cuddles sheep. He's not even good because he leads us from one greed pasture to another. He's a good shepherd because he's the only one who is qualified, who is able to lay down his life to save us from our death. He's the one who's fit for the job. He is worthy of and able to complete this task. Last week we heard that Jesus is the door and that only through him we can enter to God. Christians are hated uh, because we preach the exclusivity of the way to God. We, we preach that only exclusively through Christ can we know and come to God. They don't realize that only Jesus is the complete and excellent shepherd that has dealt with the problem of sin. Jesus is the only one who has laid down his life for his sheep. He's dealt with our problem of sin. Lastly, because Jesus knows us, because Jesus knows you deeply and intimately, he is capable of leading his sheep through any and every circumstance and situa situation in life. What better shepherd to lead us than Jesus? What better shepherd to lead you than the one who knows you better than you know yourself? Despite all of our past, present, and future flaws, failures, and mistakes, Jesus still continues to lead us and to intimately know us. So church, trust him. Follow him. He sees your pain. He sees your brokenness. He sees your loss. Others might not know about it. You yourself might be confused about it, but he knows it. He sees it. It's a blessing to be a part of this flock. It is a blessed thing to have Jesus as our shepherd, leading us through life. Church, do not go your way. So often we think our way is good, our way is best. It's not. Follow the voice of Jesus. Follow the one who laid down his life for you. And this sermon was primarily about Jesus' sheep. It's primarily to those who are his sheep. And these promises belong to the sheep of God. And if you're not a believer, if you have not entered into the flock of Jesus, I just want to tell you, you are in absolute danger. And there is nothing you can do on your own to save you from that danger. All the clever arguments, all the excuses won't work. 
the only way to safety, the only way to salvation is for you to repent of your sin, put your trust in Jesus, and follow him. He's a good shepherd. He will lead you to everlasting life. Let's pray. Father, you have loved us so greatly. Despite all of our sin, you have loved us while we were still sinners. And you have given up your son, Jesus, to lay down his life to purchase and redeem us for himself. And Jesus, we thank you for that. Father, we thank you that you have so clearly revealed yourself. You have so clearly told us who you are that we don't have to dart from one corner to another in confusion, in loss, wondering what is going on in our lives. But if we belong to you, if we are your sheep, you are leading us, you are guiding us, you are protecting us, and you will bring us to eternal life. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that you know us and that you lead us. And Father, for those here who don't know you, who do not hear your voice, who do not know your voice, may you reveal yourself to them. May you, Father, just give them faith to believe. And Father, we thank you for your word and the hope that it brings us, especially in times like this. For your glory, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.